All right, take your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11 this morning, if you would. Hebrews chapter 11. Glad that you're here today. Looking forward to what uh, God will do in our hearts as we look into a new year. The, uh, the last Sunday into the new, sun, the new year is always a time of reflection for me. Hopefully it is for you as well. And I guess we should reflect every Sunday uh, on our relationship with the Lord. But as we have these different milestones, we kind of reflect on these things. So today, as we look at the Word of God, maybe God will do uh, something in your heart today as we look into a new year. Uh, back when I was in school, I went to a very conservative Christian school in Ohio. And uh, several times of year, we would get a report card, Right. Uh, remember those days to take the report card? I don't know about you, and this is maybe we had to do at uh, our school. We had to take our report card home, have it signed by our parents, and then brought back. Right? Is that how it worked here too? Okay. All right. So you understand what it means. Maybe for you that brought great anxiety, maybe brought great pleasure, depending on how well you did that semester, bringing the report card home, right? Uh, so we had to do that. Uh, in my school, it was a little different too. We had three columns on our report card. I don't know if this is how it was for you or not. We had a column for our grade. So each class, we took math, English, whatever. We had a grade, academic grade for those. And then we had a second column, which was effort, how hard you tried. And that was usually a one, two, or a three. And then the last group was was A, B, and C. It was for behavior. Yeah. So I brought my report card home, and I always did well in the academic category. I always uh, did fairly well, usually mostly A's, uh, maybe an odd B or something, mostly A's. I did well in that category, the behavior category. This may be hard for you to believe, but I didn't do as well in the behavior category at the Christian school because I always liked to talk too much during class. When the teacher is talking, when I should be paying attention, I was talking. And so I did not do so well in the, but I had, all, I had to bring that home, had my parents look at it. I used to get comments on my report card, Mike talks too much. <laughs> I probably still do, all right? And so nothing's changed. I didn't learn my lesson, uh, but I got the report card every so often. In fact, at our school, in our area, we had an old, um, old school arcade if you know what that is, even an arcade. So we, when we had report cards, we could take our report card to this one arcade just outside of Cleveland, and I could show them my report card, and I would get like two tokens for every A and one token for every B. And so report card time had mixed emotions for me because I would get, uh, you know, my grades for behavior were not always what they should be, but I got to go get tokens for my report card. But we all understand that idea of a report card. Well, Hebrews chapter 11 is a chapter that may be familiar to many of you, and for some of you may be brand new. That's okay. We're going to talk through Hebrews chapter 11 today as a church and kind of go through, not the whole thing, it's a long chapter, but we'll kind of skip through some highlights. But here we, in this chapter, we see what I call God's report card. God's report card. So as God uh, looked down and he graded those people from the Old Testament and uh, the, the grade that they got in his way of grading, all right? And it's always difficult when, like, if it's a test and you pass the test, that's easy. But when it's like 
the grading system is subjective. Well, it's hard. It's hard to know like what they're looking for. Oh, we have some teachers here. You understand when you're teaching and, and I see you nodding, you know, when you have to judge something subjectively. Like I used to hate speech class, right? Anybody else hate speech class? Oh, I hated speech. I know that I do this for a living, but I hated speech class. Uh, and I even just, I hated the idea that there was no, you can prepare all you want and still do bad because it's all subjective, right? And so uh, here God gives us uh, an idea of his report card. So as we get into this chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, let's have a word of prayer and ask the Lord to show us something from this chapter, if you would. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the opportunity to open the Bible and we're thankful for the place you've given us to meet and worship today. Lord, I pray now with all the activities of the holidays and uh, all that's going on in our hearts and lives right now that we could uh, press pause on all that and focus in on what you want to say to us. Father, we believe, based upon the Bible, that it's your desire to speak to us today. And that you use your word and your spirit to reveal things to us of what you want us to do with our lives and how we can please you. And Father, this chapter has so much about that. Lord, I pray that you'll help me to do justice to your word and explain it in a way that every person, whether they're brand new uh, to, to their walk with you or whether they've been saved and walking with you for uh, decades, Lord, I pray whatever the case is, that we get something from your word today that would be a help and encouragement to us and challenge us as we look forward to another year uh, to serve you. So Lord, help us today. Help me today and help the, the listeners today to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. In your precious name we ask these things. Amen. So all that we do today is based upon the Word of God and the Spirit of God doing a work in our lives. So I hope that you'll see something here from Hebrews chapter 11. Let's begin in verse number 1. If you have a Bible, if you have your phone, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1, the Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse number two, for by it the elders, now look at these words, obtained a good report. They obtained a good report. The elders means uh, people, their ancestors. See, the book of Hebrews was written to the Hebrews, all right? So it's written to Jewish people. And so as he's writing to them, he's referring to people in their other uh, ancestors. He would know these stories. He would know these names, these people. And he's looking back at the elders, the people uh, in their history that obtained a good report, all right? Look way down at the end of the chapter. Verse 39, the Bible says, and these all, talking about all these people, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better things for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Notice in verse 39 that all these have obtained a good report. So here we have this idea of a good report like bookends, right? Bookends of the chapter, verse number uh, 2 and verse number two and verse number 39, bookends of the chapter, and in between we have all these stories of, of people in the Old Testament that God uses as examples. And so these people that we're going to talk about you know, off and on today, this morning, obtained a good report. 
So it's a list of Old Testament people that they passed the test. They made the grade. They obtained a good report. And it's a remarkable list. It lasts over thousands and thousands of years of people and names. So it's a, it's a remarkable list of people. Every story, every example has one central theme. And if you look down your chapter, you'd see this start out many verses by faith, by faith, by faith. That's the central chapter, the central theme of this chapter is by faith. So let's look at this faith that passes the test. This is the faith that gets you a good report. This is a faith that in God's eyes, in God's sight, uh, meets the mark. Nothing subjective about it. God says, this is what I'm looking for. I had one professor at college, and for our final exam every year, he says, I have one question for you for your final exam. It's an essay question. And I'm going to tell you ahead of time what the question is, so you better know your stuff. And so he would tell us, here's your one question. We would have weeks to prepare, and we would come back, and we would just write for a full hour. Some guys hated that. I liked it because I knew exactly what it was going to be. I just had to write down all the information that I could cram in in one hour. And God's saying here, you want to know what uh, pleases me? You want to know what I'm looking for to obtain a good report? It's faith. And here's the faith that gives us a good report. Number one, if you're taking notes, faith that obtains a good report, faith is primary. Faith is primary. Remember back in elementary school, uh, maybe we have some elementary school teachers we have uh, in our congregation, uh, the primary colors, right? Remember that? In art class, what are the primary colors? Could you name them if we, had, if we were playing a trivia game right now and you're sitting around with your family at Christmas time? The primary colors are? Yeah, very good. Some of you guys got it. Red, red, yellow, blue is what I have, right? I hope I'm right. This is a color theory uh, about how. And so I, I remember when my kids were little, they watched uh, a purple dinosaur named Barney. And Barney taught us that if you hug <laughs> blue and yellow, it makes green, right? So we understand that as you take these three colors, you can mix them up and make all kinds of beautiful colors. And, and every color that we can really imagine and think is a, is a combination of these primary basic things. And without these three colors, you can't make all the beauty of the world. It's these three primary colors is at the very core, the very base. Well, in life, verse 6 makes it clear what's at the core of pleasing God. The Bible says here, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. You got that? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. No faith, no pleasing. No faith, no passing. No, it's all about faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Listen to the rest of the verse. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Great verse, great truth. You will not please God in 2024 without faith. You can come to church, you can come to church every service and not please God. You could read your Bible all the time and not please God. You must have faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. In order to come to God, you must believe that he is. Do you believe there's a God today? I think you do. Most of you. And maybe you're here today and you don't. Or maybe you're watching online and you don't know if there's a God. That's the very primary. There is no stepping forward to you realize 
I believe there is a God. The Bible talks about him. Creation declares him. You must understand there is a God today. He is not shared with, there is no other God other than Jehovah God, his son, Jesus Christ, and his Holy Spirit. Three in one. That's the God that we serve. That's the God of the Bible. And so you must believe that there is a God today. And I think the vast majority of you would say, yes, sir, amen to that. There is a God. You, in order to please God, you have to believe there is a God. But you also have to believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Not only that he is, but that he rewards those who diligently seek him. In other words, God knows about you, cares about you, is interested in your life, and he will reward you as you diligently seek him. He has a different level. There are a lot of people who claim to know God, but they live their life like there is no God. Oh, yeah, I believe there's a God, and then they live like God doesn't care what they do. See, God's telling us here to have faith, to, to please me, to get a good report on the report card. You have to believe that there is a God, but also I'm interested, I'm watching, and I'll reward those that diligently seek me. He's interested in your life. He's interested in your decisions. Young adults who are here today, he's interested in the decisions of your life. Senior saints who are here today, he's interested in the decisions that you make. The paths that you choose. This is the God that we serve. You have to believe that he is and he rewards those that diligently seek him. So our duty is to diligently seek. As you look back at 2023, was your 2023 marked by a person who was diligently seeking God? Or was it marked by a person who was just kind of going through life, trying to stay ahead, trying to keep afloat, trying to keep their head, and not really diligently seeking God in the decisions of life? See, that's the God. That's the faith, the primary, at the core of your existence, at the core of your journey with God is faith. God, I know you're out there, and God, I know you care about me, and you are concerned with what I'm doing right now. That's faith. Tomorrow morning, when you, tonight, when you decide however you're going to celebrate the new year, some of you will sleep in the new year. You'll snore in the new year, and some of you will stay awake. And whatever you do, can I tell you this? God cares about that. There are certainly, certainly, certainly many people who claim to know God as their Savior who will go out tonight and behave in a way that would indicate that they don't believe there's really a God that, that rewards those who do it, right? There'd be people who claim to know God who are going to behave themselves in ways that are not pleasing to God. This is the faith that pleases God. The fact that there's a God who cares about me, and he cares about what I do today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. He rewards those that diligently seek him. As I diligently seek him, he blesses me and he's rewarding me both now and in eternity. This is the reward. This is the, the faith. Faith is primary. It's at the core of our decisions. So to say that we have faith is great, but does your faith translate into the core decisions of your life? That makes faith primary. Faith is primary. Secondly, we see in this chapter that faith is personal. Okay, it's at the core of every decision, but it's so, so personal. My journey, my walk of faith is going to be different than your walk of faith. Some ways it's very similar. In some ways, it's led us all to this spot and to this church this morning. So in some ways it's very similar, but it's also very different. Look at this. Listen to this. 
what, and those of you who know the Old Testament, what do these names and these people have in common? Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Samson, Jephthah, Samuel. What do all those people have in common? I'll tell you the answer is this. Not a whole lot other than they're Old Testament people that made it to Hebrews chapter 11. There's a, there are so many different backgrounds and different upbringings and different nationalities even. Most of them are Hebrews or Jews, but not all of them. Rahab wasn't a Hebrew or a Jew. So not, there's no, the central theme is they're connected by their faith, but it's very personal. My upbringing, was, I, I grew up, my dad's here today, and I'm so thankful for a mom and dad who loved the Lord, and they raised me in church, and I, I don't remember, uh, I, we always went to church. Uh, we were talking this week, my dad and I, about decisions that he made when I was young that formed my life. When, he, when I was about four years old, four or five years old, they left a church, a good church, uh, but it was, uh, it was too far away, and they felt like they couldn't be there and involved, so they moved to Cleveland Baptist Church. And that was the church that we grew up in. That was my home church. And then a few years later, there was a talk of busing in Cleveland where they're going to bus some people from one side of town to the other side of town to, to, to segregate and keep everything, uh, desegregate the, the, the neighborhoods and stuff. And, and because of that, because of what the school was teaching, he put me in a Christian school at grade one. Changed, my, changed the directory of my life. I mean, it really did. It just, it just changed things. And so his decisions, I'm thankful that was my, but your story is way different. But you know what connects all of us? is faith. It plays out differently. It's very personal. So here in this chapter, we have men and women. All right? So it doesn't matter what your, you know, men or women doesn't matter. Listen to this. In this chapter, Abraham is mentioned. Uh, I think it's down in verse 8. We won't read all the verses, but here's a big section about Abraham. Well, let me tell you something about Abraham. Abraham is probably the most respected person in the world. Let that sink in. Of all the people who've ever lived, and of the what, 8 billion people who live on the world today, Abraham is probably the most respected, and here's why. People who are Christians look at Father Abraham and with respect to what he did as he followed God. If, if you're a Jew and you reject Jesus Christ, but you follow the Old Testament, you still claim Abraham as a father. He's Father Abraham, and they look at him very respectful. If you're a Muslim, they still look to Father Abraham, because Abraham had two sons, Isaac, and the, and the Jews came from him, and Ishmael. And the Arabs came from. So every one of the major, those three major religions in the world all look to Abraham as a respected person. Even more than the person Jesus Christ, as far as the number of people in the world, will respect Abraham over Jesus. Abraham's here. Very respected. And then in the same list of people, we have Rahab. Abraham, most respected person. Rahab, let's talk about why there was not much respect among, that we can look at her. She was not a Jew by birth. She lived in the city of Jericho. She was in the land of Canaan, a Canaanite, the enemies of God's people. Now had a great reputation. The Bible, the Bible calls her Rahab the harlot. I mean, many times that was her reputation. 
That was her occupation. That's what she did. And so she had this uh, bad uh, decision and she lived this lifestyle and not a respectable one. Think about from this point. I never thought about this until I was studying, but we look at Rahab as a hero in the Bible, but imagine all the other people in Jericho. She betrayed all the people in Jericho by helping the spies. And so from her perspective, she, I mean, she did the right thing, and she's in the hall of, of faith here, and she's, she obtained a good report because she lived by faith, not by what was popular around. Every other person in Jericho would have said, that's a bad decision, bad decision, bad decision. But Rahab walked by faith. And her faith made the difference. See, it doesn't, it's so personal so different. The walk of Abraham is so different than the walk of Rahab, but they're both here, and God says, A+. plus. You both pass. You both get it. You both have a passing grade, for by it the elders obtained a good report by faith, by faith, Abraham and Rahab. Here in this story, we have young and old. It doesn't matter your age. It's still a walk of faith. We see this really clearly in the life of Moses, which is talked about here. Again, I won't take time to read all the story. Several verses. starts in verse number 23. You know, even before Moses was old enough to make decisions on his own, his parents made decisions for him that were by faith. By faith, his parents hid him, right? And that is the beginning of Moses' story of faith, that even while he was a baby, his parents uh, acted by faith. When he, the Bible says in verse 24 that when he was come to years, at some point in his life when he was old enough to make his own decisions and to go out on his own and say, I can make my own decisions and be my own man. You know how many times I've seen teenagers grow up uh, in church and when they get to the time to make their own decisions and be their own man and do their own thing, they make bad decisions? So many times. Breaks my heart. Broke my heart as a youth pastor over and over and over again. But here Moses, when he was come to years, by faith made the good decision. And then the Bible says at age 40, uh, he left Egypt and he went out to the wilderness. And he, he followed by faith. Even at age 40, he's making good decisions. And later on it says that he kept the Passover. That's age 80. And so we have this whole life journey of Moses by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. The journey of faith never ends. Can I tell you, listen to me, if you're in the latter end of your life, and you're in the fourth quarter of your life, your journey of faith has not ended. You're still walking by faith. And there are still steps of faith to take. And if you're a young person, you think, I have my whole life ahead of me, and I can wait to... No, your walk of faith starts now. It's, it's a lifelong journey. And so this book, this chapter, kind of uh, shows us that young or old, uh, male or female, Jew or Gentile... Background doesn't matter. It's personal. You have to walk by faith. And here's what I really want to focus in on. Faith is primary. Faith is personal. But faith is very practical. Right? By faith. If you read this chapter, and I suggest that you do sometime, you'll see by faith, a name, and then an action. When you live by faith, it changes how you do things. It changes how you live. It changes decisions that you make. By faith, 
always produces actions. But they're all different actions. I mean, one guy, Noah, built an ark. Nobody else built an ark. Just Noah. Everyone had different actions. But all faith leads to actions. James chapter 2 covers this in great detail. Without faith, without works, is dead. James said, you say you have faith? I'll show you my faith. Look at my life. My life is seen and my faith is seen in what I do. Not just my lips. Talk is cheap. By faith, action. By faith, he did. By faith, she did. By faith, action. And so different actions. Faith is always practical. And here's something I really never thought about either as I studied this. So many different outcomes. They all did something by faith, but the end of their story is different. Look at the first couple of, uh, examples. Let's read these together. Look at verse 4. So verse 1, 2, and 3 is kind of the introduction. Verse 4, he begins in these stories. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. So Cain and Abel, sons of Adam and Eve, the offer of sacrifice, Cain offers the wrong sacrifice. By, by faith, Abel obeys God. See, faith always leads to obedience. <laughs> Even when you don't see the outcome, always obedience. So by faith, Abel obeyed, right? What happened to Abel because of his obedience? His brother killed him. Not the best outcome. Story number one in the stories of, of by faith, Abel, offered, Abel by faith obeyed God and he died. Second illustration, look at verse number five. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Okay? Who walked more by faith, Abel or Enoch? Neither. Same. Same faith. Same obedience. Different action. So Abel obeyed God and he died. Enoch obeyed God and he never died. First two examples. <laughs> Does that seem fair to you? Like, in my human mind, it doesn't seem fair to me. That... Abel obeyed. He did what he was supposed to do. And, and, and God's rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And I guarantee you Abel's rewarded for those actions in eternity. But as we see on earth, it seemed like he got rewarded right then. Enoch walked with God, and he was not. He, he's one of two people in the Old Testament that never tasted death. But he walked with God by faith. So we, we, but we can't say, well, Enoch's faith is better than Abel's. We can't say that. Here's the lesson. Faith is always about obedience. And after we obey, the outcome is always up to God. Obedience is your part. Outcome is God's part. You got that? Obedience is your part. Outcome is God's part. And that's really what faith is. Faith is obeying God, trusting Him for the outcome. I'm going to do what God wants me to do right now, believing that someday I'll be glad that I did that. 
I'll trust him. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they go before the king. They say, we're not careful to answer. We're not sure if God is going to save us alive or we're going to die today, but we're not going to bow. We will not disobey God. We'll trust God with the outcome. That's, that's our job. That's a by faith. That's how we please God. Can I tell you clearly, clearly in the Bible, the way that the Old Testament Followers of God obtained a good report was by faith. And clearly, that doesn't change in 2024. By faith, by faith, by faith. Different outcomes, different actions. My question as I read this is how did each person know what they were supposed to do? How did Noah know that he was supposed to build an ark? And Moses know he was supposed to go to the wilderness? And Abraham, no, he was supposed to leave and go to a foreign country. How, how, did, how did Rahab know she was supposed to hide? How did they know? How do you know what God wants you to do if it's so personal? How do you know? Well, I don't really have a great answer other than God told them. God, God, told, God made it clear to them what they were supposed to do. God somehow told Abel he was supposed to offer that kind of sacrifice. Some, somehow God appeared to Abraham and told him to leave. He talked to Moses in a burning bush. I've never seen a burning bush. I've been saved for a long time. I have never seen a talking, burning bush. Probably never will in my lifetime. But God told Abraham, or told Moses from a burning bush. Told, God told them. Their faith led to obedience, and it all started with their relationship with God. Listen, I have never had a burning bush speak to me, but I have been at times in my life, very clear what God wanted me to do. I don't need, I don't need a burning bush. You know what we have today that these Old Testament people that we talk about did not have? A couple things. We have, number one, a completed word of God. God gave us the Bible in completion after Jesus died and rose again and his followers the disciples, those who knew him, wrote the rest of the New Testament, is completed. So we have this, and we can read it. Uh, if You can get it on your phone. You can get it on the Internet. You can get it in book form. We have the Word of God. That's how God guides us. We don't, I don't need a burning bush. I have a Bible that, that can help me. And so we have all these things that God has given us, the Word of God. We also have the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit really came in fullness and power after Jesus left. And so we, right now with you, if you're, if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit in you and inside you that is part of you that Moses didn't have that. We, we learn in the Old Testament that the Spirit of God came upon people at certain times, but it wasn't that uh, the Holy Spirit came to indwell man. Till at, so you have that. You have something that Moses didn't have. You have something that Abraham didn't have. In fact, if I can tell you the, the whole theme of, of the book of Hebrews is this. You got it better because <laughs> you have Jesus. You have a risen Savior who's in the world today. I know he's living. He, he speaks in my heart. He lives in my heart. I know Jesus. He's alive. They, didn't, they, they couldn't sing that song <laughs> back in the Old Testament. So it's about this relationship and knowing as you walk with God, as you read the Word of God, as you listen to the Spirit of God, you'll know what you're supposed to do. You'll know. 
It will always be in obedience to God's word. God will never lead you in disobedience to his word. His word will always guide us. And then his spirit will show us. The word of God and the spirit of God. So let me give you this thought as we kind of conclude. How would you write yourself into the chapter of Hebrews chapter 11? How would you write a verse about you? What are your by faith moments? How would you fill in the blank? So let me, let me give you an example of my life. I look back in my life, by faith, Mike Holland, when he was 11 years old, asked God to forgive him and save him by faith. I was just a little boy. I was sitting in a church about halfway back. It's a big church in Cleveland. I was sitting there, and the man was preaching about being on the Lord's side, and I had been raised in church all my life, and I just thought, I don't know for sure if I'm saved. I'm just really concerned about this. I feel uneasy about this. And at that moment in that pew, I asked the Lord, Lord, I want to be saved. If, I'm not, if, I, if you're not my Savior, please save me right now. And God gave me a piece of my heart right there. By faith, Mike Holland at age 11 trusted Christ as his Savior. That's a, by, that's a moment I look back at. Do you have that by faith moment? Can you look back at, and today, if we had a conversation in the, in the hallway, and I said, hey, I got saved when I was 11. When did you get saved? Could you say, oh, by faith, fill in the blank with your name, trusted Christ as Savior when he was or she was. Do you have that moment? Maybe you've been coming to church for a while or watching online with us for a while, and you've been thinking about this idea of faith and how this begins, and how this starts, and what is, what is this really like, and I have, I have questions, and I'm confused. Hey, can I, can I challenge you as we turn the, the calendar page? Can we help you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? I guarantee you that every person in this room that has trusted Christ as Savior would say, I'm so glad that by faith I receive Christ. It wasn't about being a good person, is like just accepting by faith there's a God who wants to reward me if I diligently seek him and I'm a sinner and he can save me and I trust him as my savior today by faith. I look across this room and I, and I see many faces of people. I remember, I remember you're by faith. I remember you got saved. I remember those times. As, and some of you were, got saved before you came to our church. But let me encourage you, challenge you, um, beg with you, plead with you. Think seriously about this idea. Have you accepted Jesus Christ by faith? That's where your journey begins. That's where the journey begins for all of us, by faith. But my journey didn't end there. I, I could look back at different points in my life. By faith, Mike Holland, when he was 17 years old, surrendered his life to the Lord. I was so struggling with this. I knew I needed to give my life to the Lord and just surrender to him and, and trust him. I... I I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, and I just was afraid if I gave my life to the Lord, he would make me be a missionary in Africa, and I'd hate it. And, and I was just all worried about what God was going to do. And here, it's a 17-year-old boy. I'm processing all this. And one day, one day, I just bowed on my knees, and I said, Lord, I don't care. Whatever it is you want me to do, I will do it by faith, by faith. Even, I, I think I even said, like, and I'm sure you won't want me to be a preacher or anything, but if you do, I'll do it by faith. Boy, that changed the direction of my life. That decision uh, at that moment, I can, I can picture the place and the time. And it was a moment of, of decision for me by faith. 
by faith. At age 22, Mike Holland left his home country of the United States and moved to Canada. I wasn't sure what was going on. I didn't know all the details about what it's like to be Canadian and all these. I had been here before, and I, I knew there was a church. I didn't know how it was all going to work out. But you know what? It didn't matter. By faith, I made a decision. I am so glad. My life is so different. My, I met my wife up here. I've been here now uh, over 30 years. Just, by faith, by faith, we make decisions. So I could write, and I could go on, and, and I'm not here to preach about me. I'm just saying, I'm trying to give you an example. Write yourself in there. By faith, put your name in there. What's the action? By faith, put your name. What's the action? Because faith is always practical. By faith, What's God, what did God call you to do? Let me ask you this question. Can we look back at 2023? What did you do by faith in 2023? What did I do by faith? What, what, what uh, as an act of faith and as a direct obedience to God, I, I felt God's leading in a, in a service. God spoke to my heart. Pastor Yellens was preaching, and I, and I knew I needed to do something, and maybe I didn't come forward, or maybe I didn't even raise my hand, or maybe I didn't even pray right then, but I knew God wanted me to do something, and I made a decision, and by faith, I did what God told me to do, by faith, by faith. In 2023, I walked by faith. Are there moments? I mean, again, and we're going to get to this, it's not all about these big decisions either. By faith is a daily thing. What will be your by faith moments in 2024? It doesn't need to be a big thing. You don't need to build an ark. It's already been done, okay? So put the, put the tools away. But by faith. What if you went the whole year of 2024 and you never did something by faith? What a sad year that would be. What a glorious year if you, by faith, followed God into the new year. It, it, may be, it may read this way, by faith they went, or it may mean by faith they stayed. Sometimes it takes more faith to stay than it does to leave, right? Sometimes it just means more faith to, to stick it out, stay there. By faith, I'm, I'm digging my heels in God. This is what you want me to do. I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm going to stay here. Sometimes it's by faith you stay, and sometimes by faith you go. Maybe God's calling someone in our church to, into a, a ministry or into the mission field. We would love to send more people out of our church to, to missions and to start churches and, and to be a, in ministry. And maybe by faith, God's calling. I can't tell you that. That's not my job. <laughs> when I was a, a teenager, I remember I had a, I had a man who told me this. He looked me in the eye. He told me, it's God's will for you to go to this college. I told him, you can't tell me God's will for my life in that area. I was respectful. He was a great man, a good friend. I'm not here to tell you, like, uh, this is what God wants you to do. Unless I have the word of God, I can tell you some things about what God wants you to do. God wants you to be thankful. <laughs> it's his will <laughs> for you to be thankful. It's, it's, your, it's his will for you to walk with him. There's certain things, but as far as specific, I can't tell you that. I, I couldn't tell Moses what his decision was or Abraham his decisions or Abel or any of these guys. All I can do is say, what does God want me to do? It may be to go, it may be to stay. May, by faith, they didn't give up when it got hard. By faith, they stayed at it. By faith, they talked to their neighbor. By faith, they witnessed to somebody. By faith, they talked to their relatives uh, at, a, at a family gathering, not knowing how they would respond or how that would change the family dynamic, but they knew God wanted them to, to speak to the family. So they, by faith, they witnessed. 
Like these are, these are stories that we can write based upon faith at the core of all that you do for God is this belief that there's a God and he's interested in your life. It's primary. Faith is primary and it's personal. I, I can't tell you exactly what you can. I can, as a pastor and as a, as a Bible believer, I can take the Bible and guide you through certain things, but it comes down to a personal decision, but it's always practical. What's the action? What does God want you to do? Maybe it's by faith. You got involved in a ministry of the church. By faith. He started volunteering somewhere. By faith, he started giving to the church. By faith, he supported the church financially or with their time or the energy. By faith, by faith, by faith. That's the reoccurring theme of Hebrews chapter 11. Because without faith, it is impossible. It's impossible to please him. You want to get a good grade and a report card as God looks down at your life this year? Simple. Tell God today, God, this year, 2024, I'll live by faith. I'm going to diligently seek you, and as I do, you'll tell me what to do. And as God tells you what to do, you just do it. You don't worry about the outcome. That's God's problem. You worry about the obedience. It's a pretty simple thought. It's a wonderful chapter of those who lived by faith. Would you bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment? Have you started your faith journey? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation? That's the number one question. I'm not going to have you raise your hand or respond in any way, but in the quietness of this moment, or even if you're watching online, have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior by faith? He loves you. He cares about you. He's interested in your life. And he's calling today. Are you ready to receive him as your Savior? I'll be here after the service. I'll be glad to talk to you. I'm sure there's someone here in the auditorium that you would know close if not, I'd be, I'd be glad to be that person. Talk to somebody about how you can know Jesus Christ as your Savior. For those who have already started their faith journey, you've already been saved, what's it going to look like in 2023? Are you excited to live a new year by faith? Are you excited what that may look like? I'm not sure what it's going to play out like. I have no idea what 2024 holds for me. I look back at 2023 and some things we did and decisions we made, but by faith, God's been so good. By faith. Are you willing and wanting to journey and walk by faith this year? Would you fill in the blank? By faith, your name, your action. Heavenly Father, I pray as we think about this and as we ponder the truth from Hebrews chapter 11 that we would obtain a good report, that we would please you as we walk by faith. As each person examines their own heart now individually, Lord, I pray you'd show them and lead them and guide them to the next step of faith. 
And when they complete that step of faith, we know there's another step of faith and another and another and another. And whether they're a young adult looking into the future or a senior adult looking still into the future, what do you want us to do by faith? Well, challenge us and encourage us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for meeting with us today.